I'm Quinn. And I'm Alex. And we're a, a couple, couple of, of characters. characters. We discuss topics related to creating characters for role-playing games. This is part four of a four-part series of episodes about the basics of D&D 5e. Now that we've learned about the basics in parts one, two, and three, including spellcasting and combat, let's talk about our favorite part of the game, making a character. Sounds awesome. So yeah, before you can even begin playing the game, you need to make a character. A character combines game statistics and your imagination. Remember, as we discussed before, that the Dungeon Master will play all the NPCs and each player will need to make a player character or PC that they'll play. Right. You'll choose a race, like human or halfling, and a class, like fighter or wizard, and create personality, appearance, and a backstory for your character. This character will then represent you as you play D&D. Before you even start making these choices, you want to think about what kind of character you would like to play. Do you want to be in the thick of the fight, or would you prefer to be off on the sidelines bolstering your allies? You can also get very creative and might even want to play a more unusual character, like a brawny wizard. If you're having trouble deciding what to play, we suggest pulling inspiration from characters in books and movies you enjoy. We also encourage you to take inspiration from our other episodes. At the end of the day, you want to create a character that you will enjoy playing because you're probably going to spend a long time, maybe even years, playing as them. To help new characters create their first character, we're going to make a level 1 character and walk through each step. But before we dive into making a character, let's briefly talk about character sheets. A character sheet is where you record all of the information about your character, from your ability scores, hit points, or HP, spells, weapons, and other features. You can use an official one, like what can be found in the back of the player's handbook, we commonly call this the PHB, or an app or other digital character sheet, or even just a piece of paper. So Alex, now that we're ready to make a character, what's our first step? The first thing you want to do is choose a race. And basically, if it walks and talks and is a sentient humanoid, so basically bipedal and, you know, human-shaped, it's probably got stats out there somewhere that you can find to play it. Right. The basic races that are in the player's handbook are going to be dwarves, elves, humans, halflings, which are like hobbits. And then there are more exotic races like gnomes, half-elves, half-orcs, tieflings, and dragonborn. Yes. Most races also have sub-races, like mountain dwarf or wood elf, that give the character different features. The race you choose is an important aspect of your character's identity. It lets you know their general appearance as well as their natural affinities granted from their culture and ancestry. Your race also increases one or more of your ability scores, so make sure you note that on your character sheet. Each race will give you certain abilities, like you might gain dark vision, you might gain proficiency with different weapons, you could even gain some spells or magic. Yes. You can choose a race that will give you useful traits for the class you want to play, or you can choose which you want to play even if it is a suboptimal choice yeah we are big fans of the suboptimal choice and i love to see like a half orc wizard all brawn and no brains but now he needs brains because he's a wizard <laughs> exactly each race also has an associated size category which comes up during combat and the casting of certain spells and using certain features most playable races um, have the size medium, while halflings and gnomes are considered small. Monsters also have associated sizes, with creatures like ancient dragons being gargantuan. You can even go down to the tiny size, which is something kind of like a pixie, just really small. Yeah, I think maybe a cat is category size tiny? Yes, a well. cat is You know, tiny. some animals? Yes. And if you're going through the PHB and not liking any of the listed options, you can also look in the section on customizing your character's origin in Chapter 1 of Tasha's Culture of Everything. This will really let you customize your character beyond these basic options, and it can also help you make a character that goes against type, like a dumb high elf or a weak dragonborn. Or a super smart half-orc exactly. for that wizard that we want to make. Yes. Record these racial traits in your character sheet, including any starting languages you may get, and your base speed. And for our character, we're just going to use the basic PHB options and roll a die to determine our race. And if we roll one that has subrace options, we'll roll for that too. All right, we rolled a half elf. I think this is a good race to exemplify because they have a lot going on. Yes, I agree. So I'm just so let's notate down on our character sheet the features that we get from the half elf. Quinn, what are these features? So as we said, all 
races give you some sort of ability score modification. So if you're playing a half-elf, your charisma score increases by two, and you get to choose two other ability scores of your choice that increase by one. So we'll probably wait to see which class that we get so that we can choose two that make sense for that class. I agree. Also, just a note here that half-elves have no sub-race options. If you're playing a half-elf, you're playing the same type of half-elf as everyone else that's playing a half-elf. Though you can choose one for yourself flavor-wise and be like, oh, my elven part is a wood elf or a drow elf or whatever other kind of elf you want, really. You could even consider doing like the other half because normally it's implied it's half human, half elf, but you could try talking with your DM, maybe be half dwarf, half elf, or something else like that. This is true. And the size is medium. You get dark vision, which basically lets you see in dim light. You can't see super well, like super detailed, and you can't see colors, but you can at least kind of figure out what's like near you. So you could see like, oh, there's a door over there but you couldn't tell that the door was purple. You also get Fey Ancestry, and this is from your elven heritage, and this gives you a couple bonuses, like you can't be put to sleep magically, and you have advantage against getting charmed. Yes. You also get the um, ability to choose two skills of your choice to gain proficiency, which is really powerful. Half-elf is one of the better, um, like, you know, out-of-the-book options, I think. Yes. You also know common and elvish and then another language of your choice. So again, if you're choosing to be half elf, half dwarf, you would probably want to choose dwarvish as your other language. Or if you're raised by, I don't know, gnomes, then maybe you choose elvish or you choose to get rid of elvish and choose gnomish instead. That's true. So that's it for just what you get by being a half-elf. So now we'll move on to classes. So each adventurer is a member of a class, which generally describes your character's job, special talents, and other abilities you possess, and the tactics you use when exploring dungeons or fighting monsters. There are 12 basic classes listed in the PHP, and they're divided into martial classes, full casters, and half-casters. So you can think of your class as like, how are you adventuring? So if you're going to get up in melee, you'll probably be a fighter or barbarian. And if you want to be slinging spells, you'd probably be a wizard or a sorcerer. So the martial class options are going to be barbarians, fighters, monks, and rogues. Right. And these, they're more focused on fighting with weapons. And they can either, like Alex said, get up in the thick of it. Or they can be further away and, you know, be using bows and arrows. And usually these classes won't have access to magic, but a couple of the subclass options will have access to magic. Right. Like an Eldritch Knight fighter. Yep. Full casters use magic to fight and accomplish their goals. These are bards, clerics, druids, sorcerers, warlocks, and wizards. Half casters blend the two. They fight with weapons and also cast spells. These are paladins and rangers. You also have the artificer class from Tasha's Cauldron of everything that is a half-caster as well. Right, but that won't be an option that we're rolling. Yep. Your chosen class will grant you various proficiencies, including armor, weapons, skills, saving throws, and sometimes tools. Each class gets a special benefit, so there is no wrong choice. You just choose whichever class describes the kind of character you want to play. Make sure to record all of your class's traits and abilities on your character sheet. Other sourcebooks have additional class options, but again, we're just going to use the PHP options and roll a die to determine our class. Let's roll that die now. Warlock, your favorite. So because we got a warlock, there are three sub-options within the book, because you can choose your patron to be either the Archfey the Great Old One, or the Fiend. So let's roll a die to determine that. All right, and we'll just do it alphabetically. All right, so we got the Archfey Patron. So the Archfey is going to give us a connection to a being from the Feywild. 
like an arch druid or something like that which kind of works out pretty nicely with our half-elf ancestry that we would be approached by an arch fae. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. As you mentioned previously, you get an associated hit die with each class. Warlocks, their hit die is a d8. So at first level, we get 1d8. And we use that max number of 8 plus our con modifier, which we haven't rolled yet, and that will be our starting hit points maximum. We also get proficiencies with light armor, simple weapons, we don't get any tools, we get wisdom and charisma saving throws, and then you get to choose a certain number of skills, um, usually two from a subset of the skills. Unless you're a bard, then you can basically just pick whatever you want, but we're a warlock, so we get to choose two from arcana, deception, history, intimidation, investigation, nature, and religion. We can wait to choose because you also, whenever you have a background, which we're going to talk about, you get some skills from that as well. And your choices that you choose should reflect the character that you want to play and that you are writing a backstory for. Correct. Like it wouldn't make sense to make a very honest person and then give them the deception skill. Yeah, whatever choices you make, they should make sense with the character that you're trying to play, as Alex said. And if you're really struggling to make your character, each class has information about how to make a quick build. This says what the most important aspects of each class are and gives character suggestions like how to assign your highest ability scores, a background which suits the class best, and starting spells if you're playing a caster. Um, other things that we get at first level are the ability to cast spells. So you get to get some spell slots, you get cantrips, and then you get to choose spells that you know. As a warlock, we'll know two cantrips and two spells, and we'll have one first level spell slot to cast one of those two spells with before we rest. Right. And as we've said before, warlocks are special. They get their spell slots back after a short rest because they have less spell slots. Yep. The next step when creating a character is choosing a background. This is important because backgrounds also grant special features as well as proficiencies with skills, armor, weapons, and sometimes tools or languages. We'll choose a background for our character when we're writing the backstory because we like to write the story after we know the ability scores. And again, we'll only use the options listed in the PHB. Now that we've determined our race and class, it's time for us to roll some ability scores. Remember, these are really important because they're going to determine the modifiers for all of your roles. Right. All of or most of what your character does will depend on these scores. And as a refresher, these are strength. Dexterity, Constitution, Intelligence, Wisdom, and Charisma. And each ability has an associated score, which you will record on your character sheet. And there are two main ways of determining your ability scores, rolling and point by. Alex, what do you do when you roll dice? So when you're rolling the dice, you roll four six-sided dice, so your regular D6. And you're going to add up the three highest numbers so if i roll the one two three four i'd add up two three four to get an ability score of nine not a great score but that's fine (laughs) then you record this number on a piece of scrap paper and you repeat this until you have all six numbers and once you get all six you can mix and match you don't have to do the order you rolled them in Oftentimes we do that just because it helps us to make more interesting characters. But if you want to play a better or I guess a more maximized character, you might want to put that highest number in your most important uh, slot. That is a good question. We already rolled. We rolled a half elf, which gives us a charisma boost, Mm -hmm. which is important for a warlock. So we lucked out with that. Do we want to roll in order? I think this time let's choose because it will help the people learn. Okay, how to choose. sounds good. All right, so that's how we're going to determine our ability scores this time. But I'm just going to quickly go over how point by works. Yeah, but this is the other method, which is also listed in the PHB. Yes, if you use the point by method, you get 27 total points that you can assign to the abilities, and you like buy certain increases in each ability score. So each ability starts with a base score of 8 in the point by method, and you can get to, at most, a score of 15. 
Increasing an ability by one costs one point until you reach a score of 13. And then to get to an ability of 14 requires two points. And to get to 15 requires two more points. So this means a score of 15 costs you nine total points to buy. You can still end up with scores higher than 15 after factoring in racial bonuses. So like we said, if we were to do the point by method and we wanted to get uh, the highest score possible in our charisma, we could put it up to a 15 and then we add our two into our charisma and then we have a score of 17 at the end. Yeah, and I think the benefit of doing point by is that all the characters will be pretty much the same ability. You won't have someone with like, I got six tens when I rolled and the, another person that's like, I got an 18, a 16, two 15s, you know. So yeah. it makes the characters more even and it also keeps you from uh, going too low because your minimum is eight. So that means at most you'll have a minus one in something. Right. And sometimes when people are rolling to determine their scores, they'll re-roll whenever they get a one on a die, or sometimes they'll say you keep rolling dice until you get a certain number of scores of a certain amount, and you have to have one score that's below a 10 or whatever. Like, those are some common different homebrew rules that people might use. Yeah, a lot of ways to do it, and not one way is right or wrong. It's whatever you and your group decide to do. Yes. So let's roll these ability scores, Quinn. Yes, so we love rolling dice, so we're going to use the rolling method. And... Let's grab our 4d6. We got one over here. So the numbers we rolled were 13, 8, 12, 12, 16, and 14. A pretty balanced starting character. And we're actually kind of excited that we got a low number because we enjoy having a negative stat because it really can help you make some role play choices. Yeah. So I think... As a warlock, your most important stat is going to be charisma for your spellcasting because right. that's your spellcasting ability modifier. So let's put our highest number into charisma. I think that is a great choice. So our highest number was a 16. And then remember from half health, we get that plus two. So our charisma is up to 18 to start. Which is incredible for a level one character. And we're going to talk about why this is incredible in a moment. But we did say that the highest you can get with a basic character is 20. So that just kind of shows you. Yeah, this person is almost already at 20. Yeah. Okay, so dex is super important. Yeah, dex is useful for a lot of things like armor class and initiative as well as, um, you know, just a lot of roles and such. So I think at least a 12 in dex. Yeah. But I was thinking maybe the 14. Yeah, we can put the 14 in dex. So let's put our next highest, the 13, into con because remember, con matters for your hit points. Right. So it's nice to have more hit points. Yes, because otherwise you're going to go unconscious constantly or even die. Mm -hmm. So now we have two 12s and an 8 left. So really at this point it's which one do we want to be our dump stat so dump stat is like the term for your weakest stat it's usually like where i didn't spend any points here because i wanted to be very charismatic right so we could have a dumb with a low intelligence for wisdom low street smarts we could have low book knowledge or we could have low strength i think Should it would we be... roll a die <laughs> okay we can do that so we have an eight in our intelligence because the die has spoken and i will say that that was actually the one i wanted to choose oh good perfect so then it makes it easy because our other two are 12s so wisdom and strength each get a 12 now at this point we have two more plus ones that we want to assign from our half elf race right so we should probably put one with that 13 because remember to get the modifier you subtract 10 and then divide by two so even numbers are going to give you better modifiers than odd numbers. Right. So yeah, if we boost that by one, we'll get it up to 14. So I agree, we should do that. And then, I don't know, just throw the other one in intelligence because it doesn't really matter where we throw the other one because it won't affect the modifier either way. 
Right. I think it's more maybe we'll save that until we write the backstory and we'll consider do we think they're slightly less dumb? Do we think they're a little more wise or a little more strong based on what we come up with? Or a little bit more dexterous. Oh, yeah. That too. So we'll save that for now. All right. Sounds great. Put that in our pocket. After you've determined the scores, you write each number beside one of the six abilities, which is what we just did, and then you make any changes to your scores based on your choice of race which we've mostly done. Mm-hmm. Once you've gotten your final scores, you determine your ability modifiers. And as Alex said, to determine an ability modifier, you subtract 10 from your score, then divide by 2, and round down. Because in 5th edition D&D, you always round down. I think there's a very few places where it says round up, but it will tell you to round up. Correct. And remember, a modifier can be negative. So no matter where we put this number in there, we'll actually be able to determine our ability modifiers right now. So we'll just quick go through and calculate them to show you what they are. Yeah. So. Let's just say for now we'll put that plus one in intelligence for the sake of making the modifiers for the people. Sure, sure. But I reserve the right to move it based on the backstory. (laughs) Sounds wonderful. (laughs) Because as we said, it won't actually affect it what our modifiers are Mm -hmm. all right so for strength we got a 12 12 minus 10 is 2 2 divided by 2 is 1 so we have a plus 1 strength modifier exactly dex we have 14 so 14 minus 10 is 4 4 divided by 2 is 2 we have a plus 2 modifier in dexterity constitution we also have a 14 so we get that same number a plus 2 in constitution and here's what we were talking about with negative so for intelligence we have a 9 9 minus 10 is negative 1 negative 1 divided by 2 is negative 1 half we have to round down so we've got negative 1 so our modifier for intelligence is minus 1 yes wisdom is 12 So that one also gives us a plus one modifier. Finally, the big one. Yes. So charisma, we have 18. 18 minus 10 is 8. 8 divided by 2 is 4. So we have a plus 4 modifier, which means that anytime we make a charisma roll, we add 4 to it. It's pretty good. Indeed. Then you take this modifier and you write it next to each of your scores. Or if you're using the um, provided character sheet at the back of the PHB, there's a little... um, the big box you put that number in. Yeah, so remember, your strength is 12, but your strength modifier is plus 1. That can sometimes trip people up. So when I roll a strength ability check, I won't add 12, I'll just add 1. Right. Okay, so now that we've determined our character's ability scores, it's time to describe our character. What do they look like? What is their gender? What is their personality? And what are their goals? You can even choose how they talk. And make sure to take their ability scores into account, whether they're low or high. Oh, and also make sure to give them a name. So, do you want to roll a gender? Yeah. Okay, we roll the man. We got another man. Like, on this show, we always roll men, it seems. That's what the die said. I'm mad at the die. We can overrule the die. We can we can make a girl. Yeah, we haven't made like any girls. Let's make a girl. We made Zadriel. That's true. We did make one, but I chose girl. I didn't. I think right, I said yes. I wanted to play a female. Yes, you did. All right, fine. We're gonna have a female warlock. Take that dice. I am your overlord now. All right. What is her name? What's her ancestry? Said, I almost said Clefairy, and then I backtracked and. But then I had to tell you that I almost said Clefairy. <laughs> All right. Well, we could just call her Cleffa, which I know is also a Pokemon name. That's also name. a Pokemon. I know, but Cleffa sounds more like a name. We could call her Clefable. Also a Pokemon. <laughs> I know. All right. Let's go with, um. yeah, screw it. We'll just go with Cleffa. Okay. <laughs> this half-elf warlock is named after a Pokemon. <laughs> Um, maybe she grew up, like, maybe in the Feywild. I was going to first establish, I think we should just, for this character, because we're doing the intro basic episode, we should just stick to half human, half elf. That's fine. Okay. But she grew up in the Feywild. Yeah, I think Cleffa is more of like a... Fairy kind of name. Yeah. I mean, it is a fairy type Pokemon, right? Yes, once the fairy type was introduced, Clefairy... And Cleffa and Clefable became fairy type. Nice. Nailed but Guys, I don't know much about Pokemon, but I got that one right. <laughs> okay, so. I got lucky. Cleffa 
So we have Cleffa the half-elf. Yes. And she grew up in the Feywild. So I think she should have a, like, a fairy-like last name as well, like Elderberry. Okay. Yeah, why not? Sounds okay. fine. Cleffa Elderberry. With an I at the end? Or is it Y? I was just going to do with a Y. Oh, boy, you're a coward. All right, so it's Berry <laughs> with an I? Yeah. Okay. Elderberry. Sure. I mean, you can you can name them whatever you want. Yes. And I have Cleffa Elderberry. All right. And this is the point where you can get super creative and make some really fun roleplay choices for your character. We also listed some possible character options and suggestions in our third episode, All in a Day's Quirks. So you can listen to that for some more inspiration as well. And again, if you're having a hard time deciding how your character will act, you can base them off of yourself. Um, that's what I did for my first character. I was basically just playing myself. There are also suggested personality traits listed in each background description. I think it is often that a first-time player will kind of go towards their own personality on accident, even if they don't plan to. So if you do that, that's fine. That's a normal thing, and it's just part of getting into role-playing and learning how to kind of stretch your limits and, you know, press your comfort zone. Yes. Because I don't think, I didn't intentionally make my first character like myself, but when I played her, she was. And neither did I. (laughs) (laughs) My character's charisma was only eight, but then I kept trying to be the voice of the party. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because your charisma is actually much higher than eight. uh, Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so as we've said, Cleffa grew up in the Feywild, which is like, this fairy world kind of it's very natural very wild um the rules of time and seasons are different Mm -hmm. there um yeah it has a lot of like you know fairies and like elves are supposed to have like originated there so that's kind of the vibe it gives off right so did clef so she grew up there i have an idea okay okay so her mother was the elf and her father was a human, mm-hmm. but their love was obviously not allowed for some reason. We'll figure that out later. But their love was not allowed, so she had to have Clef in secret, and then she went to the Feywild to have the baby, and then she, like, I don't know if she stayed with her there for a while or what, or if, like, she so gave her two possibilities. Two... Okay, yeah, you saved me. This is where I stumbled. <laughs> Catch I'm throwing you the ball. Okay, I caught it. All right. So, but there are two ways I could have caught it. So, <laughs> option one. Left hand or right hand? Yes. So, my left hand. We've got either he wandered into the Feywild, her father, mm-hmm. and her mom was living there or whatever. So, maybe in their society because, you know, elves live so long, they don't really want humans in there kind of mucking around and doing stuff. Yeah. Or, as you said, that she um, went into the Feywild and maybe she was just trying to do it as like a way to be safe for a little bit, like trying to run away. And she's like, I'll come back. And she tried to come back with the baby. And when she came back, like, remember, time passes differently in the Feywild. The dad died. Oh. Very sad, but. I was thinking something similar, but I was going to (laughs) go with probably the more morbid version where Cleffa got left and then her mom came back to like get her like a day later and Cleffa was like 18. (laughs) Honestly you could do that too. Yeah all right we'll go with yours though. So I like um, right hand that the mom went to the Feywild to have Cleffa. Yeah like I'm gonna say that the dad was like pushing her to go like look you'll be safe whatever like they won't be able to find you whatever and you can come back to me whatever. Yeah. Unfortunately, she was not able to come back to him in time. Yeah, because, you know, nine months of pregnancy and then giving birth and then you raised Cleffa for like, you know, a few months while she recovered. So a year later in the Feywild could have been a hundred years in the regular place, which is called the material plane. Yes. (laughs) Or the regular place, you know. (laughs) The regular place. Yeah. All right. So, yes, I like that. So, yeah, a hundred years passed. Unfortunately, her father... Norman. Okay. Normal man. Norman. Was... <laughs> Nailed it. I was going to say Hubert, so. 
Norman Hubert. <laughs> I love it. Norman Hubert is the dad. The mom should have an exotic, by exotic, I mean an elven name. Well, her last name's Elderberry, sure. canonically, because, I All mean, right. I guess Cleffa could have a different last name from both of them, but that might be weird. Nope, Elderberry. Okay. Um... It's like, it's so fancy that we can't even say it right in English. Elandriella. Elandriella. See, I didn't even do it justice. All right. So, Elandriella Elderberry tries to take her beautiful, sweet Cleffa Elderberry. I like the alliteration. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Out back into the material plane, and she's trying to find Norman, and she's unsuccessful, and she eventually finds out that Norman passed. Well, she has nothing tying her back to the material plane anymore. Because she was kind of annoyed with her family anyways because they didn't want her to be with this man that she loved. Mm -hmm. So she goes back to the... um, Back to the Feywild. Back to the Feywild because, you know, that elf society was accepting of her and, like, was helpful for her. Mm -hmm. And as Cleffa grows up, Elandriella talks a lot about Norman and how much she loved him and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So... I think that Cleffa really feels like she missed out on having this really great man as a father. Mm -hmm. So she grows up and now she's a young woman. And at some point she has this idea that, you know, there are people who can do powerful magic and can bring my dad back to life. Oh, so she wants to manipulate time or bring him back one of those two right so that way her mom can be with her dad all right so i'm thinking based on the backgrounds in the book the one that is currently fitting to me would maybe be guild artisan if she learns a trade from her mom or maybe noble if she and her mom live in like a noble status but I don't know that her mom would necessarily live in noble status since she kind of just showed up here when Cleffa was really young. Yeah. So it could be her mother was noble and that's why they didn't want her to be with this human. Oh, yeah, that's because true. Because she had this obligation to, you know, keep ruling in the elven court or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's got to be elves. So from the PHP, the options of background are the following, and they're all kind of self-explanatory, I think. So we'll just read them quick, and then you can find out what the options are that you can choose from. Or you can come up with your own and then talk with your DM. Yes. Acolyte, charlatan, criminal. Those are two separate ones. I said them kind of fast. (laughs) Entertainer, folk hero, guild artisan, which Alex just mentioned. Hermit, Noble, Outlander, Sage, Sailor, Soldier, Urchin. Yeah, so I maybe would just clarify quick. The charlatan is kind of like a flim-flam man, like someone that's always trying to pull one over on people. And the only other one that might need some clarification is Outlander is like someone that's kind of living on their... They're almost like a hermit, but they're more of like a survival. Like they know where to find plants to eat and like, you know, how to survive in the wild more. So they're more of like a a woodsman than a hermit. Yeah. Otherwise, I think most of those are self-explanatory. Yeah. So I don't think that... Cleffa would be a noble just because I think her mom was trying to get away from that all that yeah, noble so stuff. Th- That's why she stayed. So I think Cleffa's mom picked up a trade and like that, you know, learned or maybe she knew how to do something and now she kind of joined a guild in this new city. Ooh. Maybe the mom enjoyed doing something in her youth, whatever. And that's how she met this Norman guy. Okay. Like Oh, maybe? Okay. Yeah, this is good. Which is probably where you were going. Let's say that she really enjoyed knitting or Mm -hmm. something. Like, she liked tailoring for clothing. And she went into Norman's shop, and he was a tailor. And, like, he kind of taught her a little bit of the basics, and that was kind of the beginning of their romance. Yes. Then you have the ghost scene where they're both, like, knitting, but they're both alive (laughs) still. Mm -hmm. And then now she... Now that she kind of has, like, learned that he's dead, she goes back to the Feywild to kind of honor him by picking up this craft. Yes. 
So maybe, um, let's go with like a weaver. Like maybe he made beautiful like tapestries and okay. rugs and things. When you said weaver, I definitely thought like a baskets. <laughs> I mean, that is a thing that you can do, but that isn't where I was going. Okay. And she like went there or whatever or met him. Ooh, maybe he was making some new tapestries or whatever to decorate the palace. Okay. I don't know why they had a human guy, but he happened to... He happened to because be... Because he's world-renowned, I was Gwen. just going to say, he's world-renowned. He's the best. Yeah. You can't argue with the best. Yes. The elves are like, we have hundreds of years to uh, perfect our craft. And this lowly human has perfected it. In 20 years. Oh, my or God. Or he's only 20. And just to add a, like, a little touch of sadness to the story. When... What was the mom's name? Alondriella. When... <laughs> yeah, Alondriella. Or whatever it was. Alondriella. <laughs> okay. When Alondriella goes back to the material plane and she goes to his shop and there's like just a plethora of tapestries of like her with her in them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Got her right in the feels. Oh, man. And also like maybe he was hoping that she'd come back, whatever. And he like, like throughout his life, he like would make these to kind of tell a story about what was going on in his life without her. Yep, yep. And oh he my. definitely like, so oh. he wanted her to know that he never forgot about her. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Tears to my eyes, Alex. So, my goodness. Now this has, you know, it's a great backstory for the parents. Now we need to get more into Cleffa. It's part of the whole thing. Yeah. So Cleffa has learned this love story. She's seen the tapestries. Yes, because her mom brought them back with. Of course, who wouldn't? And, you know, she's admired the work and she loves it. And she does, like, really enjoy it, but she knows it's not her calling. Like, she enjoys doing it and she knows it's important to her mom, but she wants to go off and do something else. So I think Guild Artisan is a great background for her. So let's just tell the people what you get with that. Okay, Quinn, so what do we get as a Guild Artisan? We get insight and persuasion. So those are two skills that we get. Yeah, so each background will give you two skills for sure. You get one type of artisan's tools that you're proficient in. So we'll obviously choose weaver's tools. Yeah, whichever tool makes tapestries. <laughs> there is a list within Guild Artisan of like different artisans. No, there's a list in Chapter 5 with um, oh, talks about the tools. List, you can roll what type? You can roll what type of guild oh, okay. business you're part of, gotcha. but it doesn't tell you what tools. And Got one it. of the thing is um, weavers and dyers. Okay. Yeah, so it's got it in there. Weaver's Tools is a thing. Okay. Yeah, so we'll take Weaver's Tools, proficiency. And then you get a language, one of your choice. So we get an additional language. And then you get a set of artisan's tools, one of your choice. We'll choose Weaver's Tools just because that's what she knows how to do. Mm -hmm. A letter of introduction from your guild. Eh. A set of traveler's clothes and a pouch containing 12 gold pieces. Yeah, so that is kind of what you usually get from a background is you're going to get a couple skills. You might get a tool, you might get a language, and you get some starting equipment. Okay, so now that we know what our background is, we can go back to looking at the skills that we get to choose from for Warlock. So as we said, you get to choose two. And well, let's continue our story, though. Oh, sure. Let's continue our story. Because now that Cleffa has decided to leave home to adventure because she wants to bring her dad back to life or find a way to maybe reverse time for her mom and her so that they can be with him, whatever it is. Right. So this is where she's going to, like, leave home, and she's got to, at some point, encounter this powerful archfey that's going to bestow some powers on her. Yes. So I'm going to say that she tells her mom that she wants to go off an adventure. And I think maybe she doesn't tell her mom what her intent is because she doesn't oh, want to make her mom sad. For sure. I agree with that because the mom will be like, no, it's okay. I think the mom has accepted it because I feel like as an elf, you know if you fall in love with a human that you're probably going to end up living longer than them. Mm-hmm. So I think the mom's probably gotten over it at this point now that... Let's well, not gotten over it, but, like, she's come to accept it. She's yeah, made yeah, peace yeah. with it. That's what I'm saying. How, let's say Clef is, what, like, 20, 18, something I like would that? say anywhere from 16 to 20. Like, she's, okay. she's pretty young. We'll put her in that range. Yeah. She's not super smart. <laughs> that is true. So I she doesn't. about that. <laughs> so she doesn't think 
but she's wise. Well, she's kind of wise. Yes. I mean, she... She definitely thinks that, like, getting him back to life is not impossible, which is actually true in the D&D world. Yes. But I think she, she will think that it is easier to do than it actually is. And that she also thinks that, you know, I don't need to let anyone know... I don't need to let anyone know what I'm doing because I'll be back. It'll be really quick. Like, I'll be gone, like, a month, two months tops. Yeah. So. Um, that sounds she, right. Yeah. Sounds, sounds like someone who isn't incredibly wise or very intelligent. So she packs a bag and spirits away in the middle of the night. Well, I think she told her mom she was leaving, right? She left her note. Okay. I was going to say, I think that part of the Archfey giving her this power has to do with the powerful story of her parents' love, like the love story. I feel like she tells the love story to the Archfey, and the Archfey is like, I can just see, like, I'm picturing, like, you know, in um, Ocarina of Time, like the fairy fountains, like the those big, weird-shaped fairies because the, you know, animation wasn't that good for mm-hmm. games, but... Like, I just see them, like, floating and, like, putting, like, with their hands below their chin. Yes, like, yes. Looking, <gasps> like, they look like they're, yeah. like, you know, laying on the, their stomach on the ground, but they're floating in the air. Yeah. Just, like, listening to yes. the story that Clefa yeah, yeah. tells of the love story. And okay. then the archway is like, yes, I want to help you because this is so, it's such powerful stuff. Yeah. Okay, so. Cleffa is traveling through. She reaches a clearing for the night, whatever, and she's like, A glade, oh. if you will. Yes, it will be a glade. <laughs> um, because she knows that, you know, a clearing is a, is a decent spot to, to make. Um, I can see people trying to kill me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she knows that much. So, she comes into this glade, and there's there will be a beautiful, like, fairy fountain there. And um, she's making camp, whatever, and this archfey fairy person um, mm-hmm. is like, hey, what what are you doing in my glade? Like, it's fine, but, like, I just, like, I want to know why you're here. And then she tells this, she weaves this beautiful story with her words. Oh, now she's a double weaver. Oh, yeah. And I mean, she is, does she have is charisma, really charismatic, <laughs> so maybe that's what she's better at weaving. Is she's better at weaving tales than she is at weaving? Yeah, the especially if like weaving tapestries, she seems like an intelligence style check. So probably, <laughs> yeah. I mean, dexterous too. Yeah. Okay, but yes, I think that she weaves this incredible tale, and this archfey is moved deeply by it because of the powerful love and love can be a very powerful magical force i think yeah and the archfey wants to help cleffa with this so she's like hey i can help you achieve this it's not going to be quite as easy as you think but i'm going to give you some abilities that can help you achieve this because i want you to succeed yeah, and then maybe the archway is like, because I feel like fairies a lot of times in folktales and stuff have like, you know, double, you kind of don't you, give yeah. something without them getting something. Yeah. You know? So you don't what know is, the, what is, um, their what is, true intentions. Yeah, what does the archway get from Cleffa? Maybe the archway wants to increase her influence, because this feels like a woman to me. Okay. She wants to increase her influence on the material plane. Yeah. But she's been banished from it somehow. Oh, yeah. So she's trapped in the Feywild. Yes. But she's like, I can give you power from the Feywild and yes. I can help you. And but I, I can, c- like, communicate with you, but I can't actually enter it. Oh, so maybe she wants... There's some MacGuffin yeah. that needs to be destroyed so that this Archfey can return to the material plane. Yes. Love so, it. So she's like, all right, Cleffa, I need you to go... At some point, like, because, you know, it's obviously a very powerful thing that is not easily destroyed or whatever. So it's going to be, like, you know, your end quest goal or something. Yeah, and she isn't going to tell Cleffa about this. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. We'll get there. Right. I think we're good on the backstory. I'm, I'm yeah, pretty pleased with that. I think that's that. pretty good, too. So now let's pick our skills and where, I think, should we put the plus one in intelligence or... Did you want to move it to dexterity, strength, or wisdom? 
I'm fine leaving it in intelligence. What do you think? Okay. I was maybe going to put it in dexterity just because okay, she's fine been weaving. Sure. Yeah. So we'll put it. I mean, it doesn't matter that much. Like we said, the odd numbers don't matter as much, but they can matter later if you get like a feat and they sometimes increase one ability score by one. But, you know. Right. Okay. So the skills we can choose two from are Arcana, Deception, History, Intimidation, Investigation, Nature, Religion. None of which were ones that we got from our background. Okay. I would say just because... I'm leaning towards history and nature. Okay. Yeah, let's go with history and nature so that... Just because I feel like from, like, her mom would teach her, she was teaching her all of this history and stuff, and she learned a lot about nature from being in the Feywild. Yeah. And her mom cared about that stuff and teaching her. I would also say, because we got two languages, right? One yeah. from being half-elf. One had better I think be Sylvan. That's what I was going to say, because that's kind of the language of fairies and the Fey. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that if you lived in the Feywild, you would know it. Yes. No idea for the other language, though. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't really matter that a ton. I'm going to say maybe whatever Elven Kingdom the mom was from whatever there was also a powerful dwarf kingdom close by so you know there was a lot of um communication between the two so she also learned dwarvish yep sounds good now that you've written your backstory you've made all the other choices you get to choose your equipment your class and background both give you starting equipment and you record this in your character sheet as well and usually you get choices like they'll be like you can have a light crossbow and 20 bolts or any simple weapon. That's an example of something you get from being a warlock. Yes, and as we read earlier, we talked about which equipment Cleffa will get from being a guild artisan. Right. So now what do we get from being a warlock? So as you said, either a light crossbow and some ammunition for it, or a simple weapon. And Let's you... go with light crossbow so we don't have to make a choice. Sounds great. A component pouch or an arcane focus. So as we talked about in the spellcasting episode, you can use a focus instead of a component pouch to kind of replace all your material components. If your class allows you to have one, which Warlock does. And with a component pouch, it's just kind of assumed that you have the components for the spells unless they have that gold cost. Right. But like if it says your spell needs like a twig that was struck by lightning, then you have that. Right. And then you choose a Scholar's Pack or a Dungeoneer's Pack. So Scholar's Pack is going to have a lot of paper and like ink and stuff. Not very useful. Dungeoneer's Pack will have a little more useful things. Right, but still I don't think it necessarily makes a lot of sense. I think it's funnier if she has the Scholar's Pack. (laughs) Because she's woefully unprepared. That is pretty funny that she's looking around this giant trunk and like... (laughs) She's got like sand Reams in it. of for, paper. Sand in it for drying ink faster, you know. Mm-hmm. So, we'll give her a scholar's back. Leather armor, any simple weapon, and two daggers. Okay, and those are just given. You don't have the choice for that. Right. All right, so now that you've got all that stuff, the last thing you need to do when creating a character is writing a backstory, which we've already done. And we always recommend writing a backstory because it can really help engage you as a player. And when the DM incorporates your backstory into the campaign, it's a lot of fun. And as a DM, I always enjoyed weaving a character's backstory into the greater campaign. Right. So think about what we did for our DM. We know that there's a prominent elven and dwarvish kingdom that are near each other in the material plane. And we know that there was this, like, you know, human weaver that was super good at his craft. And we know a little bit about the Feywild. So. Yes. Kind of helped shape the world a little bit. We have a little pocket that Cleffa helped shape it. Yes. And that's it. Anything else to add, Alex? No, and I think that will conclude part four of our four-part series on D&D Basics. We hope you've had as much fun learning about D&D as we've had teaching you about it. And if you're still looking for more information about character creation, basics, and terminology, another great intro is the first episode of Chaotic Creations. It's just a quick five-minute episode that goes over all the terms used when creating a character and playing D&D. Yeah, that one is the short version, so if you made it here, I'm proud of you. 
And if you only wanted a short one, you are too late (laughs) because you're already here. Exactly. But if you're still a little confused, you can listen to that. And also, you can reach out to us. We would love to help answer your questions. You can find more information about our show at a couple of com. Have ideas or feedback or need help creating your next character? Email us at a couple of pod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at a COC podcast. We'd like to thank John Began for composing our theme music. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, give us a five-star review on iTunes. That will really help our show out. You can also tell a friend about our show. Yes. Another way to support us is by becoming a Patreon donor. Just search a COC podcast. You can also support us at bookshop.org slash shop slash ACOC podcast. And any books that you purchase through our affiliate link will give us 10% of the proceeds, as well as giving 10% to a local bookstore of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex in Winterland. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Not a Dr. Quinn. Thanks for listening. Keep on rolling. feel when you come in and stomp on what i'm about to say i was just shocked i was like wow that means brb be right back blast your squirrel privileges okay do you want bad scores i'll roll them one three is the loneliest number Wait, what was it originally? Just normal? Yeah. If that's normal, I don't want to be right. Or I don't want to be, you know, I want to be normal if that's normal. Because, you know what I mean? That didn't make sense. But basically, I want to be like a fairy. So, (laughs) just, never mind. Just ignore this rambling. (sighs) Okay.